Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Again, want to welcome all those that are here. My name is Pastor Josh, and uh, I get the joy of leading this campus. We are one church in three locations, and uh, in Jennings, and Eunice, and in Crowley, and so you're part of one big family, and so we're just honored to have you today. Uh, today, I'm, I'm going to share a message that I, hopefully will kind of get us ready for next uh, weekend, which is Christmas Eve weekend. Come on, somebody. So excited about that. We got a lot of great things uh, in store for you. Um, but, you know, I, I think Proverbs says a cheerful heart is good like medicine. And so uh, there's actually statistics now that prove that if you laugh more, your health is better. And uh, have you ever noticed miserable people are always sick? <laughs> and so there's actually scientific proof that the more that you can laugh and the more that you can have joy in your life, the actually healthier you are. So, um, so I thought I would kick off with a story. I want to hear a story. Um, so there's a story of these three boys, these three boys that they had a mom, um, dad had passed away, mom raised these three boys. As they got older, they moved away from home got jobs, got successful jobs, made lots of money. And so they decided that they were going to bless their mother for Christmas for all the things that she had done for them over the years. And so uh, they got together and started sharing about the things that they bought their mom. So the, the oldest son said, man, I got all y'all beat. I bought mom the best present she's ever had. And they said, well, what did you get her? He said, I bought her a house. And they're like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. The second son said, no, I think I got one better. You know, mom's always wanted to drive in style. So I bought her a Mercedes. The third son said, no, I got all of y'all beat. You know how mom loves to read the Bible? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how mom's sight is, is, is getting pretty bad? She can't read as much? She said, yeah. She said, I bought mom a parrot that can recite the entire Bible. And they're like, what? He said, yes, it took 12 elders seven years to train this bird to memorize all of the scriptures, and all she's got to do is tell the bird the chapter and the verse and the book, and it'll recite the exact thing to him. And so they were like, oh, my goodness. So the mom, a couple of weeks later, writes them thank you notes. So she says, you know, dear Jake, thank you for the house. Um, unfortunately, I only am in one part of the house, so it's a little too big for me, but I appreciate the gesture. She writes to the second one, Dear Joe, thank you so much for the Mercedes. Um, but as you know, mom's old. I don't rarely ever get out, so I don't get to enjoy it as much as I want. And then she wrote the third son. She said, Dear Jeffrey, you know your way to your mama's heart. That chicken was so good. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. That's funny. All right, let's get to the Bible. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. The angel reassured them. So this is the story, the Christmas story. The angels show up, and, uh, and, and here are the shepherds. Uh, and the angel reassures them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you. Everybody say those two words with me. Oh, we're going to have to help it out a little bit. Everybody, I bring you. Good news. That will bring Great joy. Good. There we go. Up to all people. So this is the, the greatest news on the planet. Of course, next weekend, we'll share a lot more of the Christmas story and how it applies to our lives practically. But this is the beginning of the Christmas story, the declaration that there is great news that is going to come with great joy. The reason why it was great news was because for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years prior, there was this promise that there would come a Savior who would deliver all of the Jewish people. And uh, the, the, the reason that this is such a big verse is because prior to this, 400 years between your Old Testament and New Testament, between Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, there was 400 years of silence, nothing, 
Zero. Zilch. God never spoke. No miracle was ever performed. People weren't experiencing God. So they heard a promise that God was going to be coming, but they didn't see anything. It was very dark days. And here we are. This herald great news starts off this, this dark time with, hey, I got some great news and it's going to bring some great joy. That's really honestly the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that it's great news. And when it's great news applied to your life, it brings great joy. And so that's our prayer that over today and this weekend coming up is that you would experience this great news, but you would also have this incredible great joy that is attached to this. Because if there was anybody in this time frame that needed joy, it was these people. They lived in some of the most darkest days. They were always depressed. It was, it was hard, difficult times, which sounds a lot like the culture that we live in nowadays. Difficult times. How many know it's just good sometimes to get some good news? There's enough bad news out there. We need some good news. Good news that brings great joy. Now, I want to introduce you to probably one of the shortest verses. not the shortest, but it's one of the shortest verses today. And when you leave here today, you can tell people at lunch or at family, we memorized the Bible today. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, and Paul says, always be what? Joyful. Joyful. Okay, everybody say this with me because it's real short. Always be joyful. Okay, one more time. Always be joyful. Okay, all right. Everybody's got it? We're going we're to do a pop quiz in the middle of our message. We'll see if you got this one. Always be joyful. What a great verse. But can I tell you, I don't like it. I don't like this verse. I would be okay if the verse was two words and it said, be joyful. Because that's, you know, that's something you tell your kids. Hey, you need to be happy. You need to be joyful. You need to be... That's, that's one thing. But why did he have to go and stick always on that? Right? Anybody have a hard time with this one? Like, we can be joyful here and there and things go right. We could be joyful. But this idea that I need to be always to be joyful. So that's the question that I kind of want to answer today is, How can we always be joyful? Because here's the reality of it all. During the Christmas season, there's not a lot of joy for a lot of people. Some people say that this is the darkest time of the year for them. For some people, they will have an empty seat at their table during their Christmas holidays. For some, there's strife and animosity in their family, which is going to bring stress and things. I don't know if you knew this, but during the Christmas season, from November, from Thanksgiving to Christmas... More suicides are committed during that time than any other time in the rest of the year. It's because holidays, for some people, bring great joy, great excitement, great family. A lot of people love Christmas. But on the other side, there's a lot of people that really honestly despise it because it reminds them of how hard their life is or what they're missing or what's going on. And that's just the reality of the, the world that we live in. So here's the question. How do we apply 1 Thessalonians 5.16 to always be joyful when everything that we're going through is not always joyful? Have you ever asked or wondered that question? How can I do what God's telling me to do to be joyful, but then what I'm going through right now is just rough. It's very hard. Well, I think the reason why we have a hard time with it is because we don't really truly understand what joy is. See, we've attached joy to what society says joy is, and that's actually to be happy. People, you know, don't worry, be, yeah, okay, we'll sing a song in a little bit. Okay, so <clears throat> this, is, this is what our culture says, do whatever you can to be happy. 
Unfortunately, though, happiness is kind of fleeting. It can come and it can go. But Jesus wants us to have something that's sustaining, something that's constant. It's a joy that's in our life. So let's, let's look at this idea of happiness and let's look at this idea of joy. And there's some similarities, but there's also some major differences. So if you're taking some notes, if you've got some notes, um, you can bust out a pen real quick and take some with us. We are a note-taking church. We love taking notes just to help us later on to remember what we learned. And uh, here's the first one. Happiness is external, but joy is internal. Happiness is external, but joy is internal. Psalms chapter 4, verse 7 says this. It says, you have, this is David speaking of God. He's telling God, God, you have put more joy in my what? Everybody say it with me. In my in my heart, in my heart, than they have when their grain and wine abound. Now, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to be raised in a Christian home pretty much, pretty much my entire, this, I don't even know how y'all looking at this. I, um, I'll just do this the whole time. So I, uh, I was raised in a Christian home my, my, almost my entire life, um, and I'm very blessed for that. Went to church my entire life, and um, not because I wanted to, but because I was drugged to, and and, and if you were in Sunday school, any Sunday school people in here went to children's church, any of those days? Remember back in the 80s and 90s, there was a song that they sang all the time, and it says, I got the joy, 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 joy down, down in my heart, down in my heart, I got the where? Man, y'all are good, okay. <laughs> Give yourself a hand. 8 a.m. was terrible, all right? So they had no joy. Um, but notice, I, there's actually some truth attached to that. It was kind of a corny little song that we sang, but there actually is some truth attached to that, attached to this verse. A God, you put joy down in my heart. Notice the song doesn't say, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my job. Right? No, it does not. Down in my money, because <laughs> that is way down. And um, down in my spouse, or you fill in that blank, down in whatever. It doesn't say that. It says joy is down in my heart because joy is an internal thing, whereas happiness is an external thing. But what ends up happening is oftentimes our happiness is connected to things or to people. The problem with that, though, is, is that when your happiness is connected to people or to things, when you lose those people or those things, you lose your happiness, right? So I don't know about y'all, but I, I, I love getting new stuff. Anybody that says they don't like getting new stuff, they're lying, okay? I mean, we like getting new shoes, new phones, new cars, new house. We, we like new things. Um, it's intoxicating to kind of get that new thing. Um, it's nice, and you can find joy in those things, um, they're, they're, they're not bad. The problem is, though, is they go out of style, they die, they break up. There's things that happen that, that you lose them. And if your joy is connected and attached to them, you lose them when you lose the thing. So here's, here's the way that I would put it. You can find joy in things. You just can't find your joy attached to things. So my joy, I can get joy from my kids. I can get joy from being married, I can get joy from food. I can get joy from the things I have. I can get joy from them, but my joy is not attached to them. Are y'all with me here? And if you connect your joy, if you attach your joy to a person, they will fail you. 
or a thing, it will break. It, it, something's going to happen. So Jesus says here, look in, in John 15, John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me, Jesus speaking, he says, and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing. So apart from, from Jesus, we can't do anything. We cannot have joy apart from Jesus. Jesus is our joy. And this is what he says in verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with what? With my joy. This is Jesus saying, I have the joy. You need the joy. I want to give you my joy. When you're connected to me, you're going to get this joy. Not only are you going to get the joy, though, but watch. Yes, your, your joy now will be what? Will overflow. Overflow. Um, my wife... And I love food. We love, we love food. Any, any food connoisseurs in here? You just love food? How many of you thinking about food right now? Put your hands down. Get out of here. Dear goodness. It's 10 o'clock. Seriously. All right. So um, I, uh, we have a thing in our house. If you know, we have, we have three boys and my wife. So she's the queen of the home. There's only one. And uh, when, when Lindsay gets really hungry and, the, and, and food's either not ready or there's not any food around or if we're driving and she's like, we need to get to a restaurant now. Like, I am starving. We, we have a word for that. It's called hangry. Any of y'all know that? Hunger and angry and you tie them together and it's hangry, okay? Y'all have seen the Snickers commercial? <laughs> it's like, baby, you, you know, the boys are throwing crackers at her, goldfish. Just eat something, mom. Just eat something. She, okay, that's, that's because her... Her um, sugar level's going down, her energy level's going down, you know, the food that provides this energy level, it's, it's tanking, and so she's tanking. And so it's, we need to hurry up and get her some food. And the same can be for us when it comes to joy. If your joy level is tanking, the reason it's tanking is because you're not connected to the source of joy. You know, like... First world problems for us is when we see our iPhone or our Android, it's got a red light at the top and the battery's going low. Like, we're like, I need a sword. Have you ever been to an airport? Everybody, it's like a, like a light sock or a electrical sock is like, I'll pay you, dude, $10. I'll pay you. Give me that, you know, because nobody can go without their phone because it's a, you got to plug it in to keep it connected. The worst is when you wake up in the morning and you realize you forgot to connect it and you're like, no. What am I going to do? And so, so now we got portable, you know, all these portable devices to help make sure we stay connected. But I wish that that would be the same with us spiritually. If you are spiritually drained and spiritually uh, depleted and your stress level is high and your joy level is low, could I tell you it might possibly be because you're not connected to the source of joy. Can it be that during the Christmas holidays, we get so busy doing everything else that we miss the reason of Christmas, which of course is to be connected to our joy? So we don't have any joy during this season because we're so busy doing things for the season. Everybody with me? And so we've got to understand happiness is external, joy is internal. Here's the second thing. Happiness depends on what is happening to you, but joy depends on what Jesus is doing in you. Happiness depends on what is happening to you, okay? So, oh, the in-laws aren't coming this, this Christmas? <laughs> joy, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, we don't have to buy them gifts? Joy. Uh, 
oh, I'm feeling good or I'm not feeling good, our joys can often be attached to, to what's happening. Happiness based off of what's happening. Joy, though, is based off of what Jesus is doing. Look what James 1 says. Jesus, uh, James chapter 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it, now this is crazy, an opportunity for what? For great joy. What? I mean, you're going to go through a trial, you're going to go through troubles, you're going to go through a hard time, and James says, hey man, it's a great opportunity for some great joy. Say what? It doesn't make sense because most of us would go, well, why would I be celebrating when I get bad news? That doesn't, does not make sense. Which, by the way, I don't think that's what he's meaning. I don't think he's like, you know, cheer and pom-poms and like, oh, I got bad diagnosis. You're in the you know, doctor's office, he's like, what's wrong with you? What are you, you smoking something already? Um, that's not what he's meaning. He's not meaning that we celebrate when we get bad news. That would be weird. What he's saying, though, is we can have great joy in the midst of great troubles because we serve a great God. So it's not, listen, you get bad news, there's a punch in the gut. It's okay to grieve and cry and, and, and to not be happy around everybody. That's okay because that's fleeting. That's based off of what's happening. But you can have great joy because you know that God, watch, this is why he says, you can have great joy because you know that when your faith is being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So God is testing us. He's trying to do something in us. How many of you would agree that you've learned more about who God is when you went through hard times than good times? Anybody in here? It's the times when people come to church. People don't come to church until their life is at the bottom. But that's okay. God is using that for a great opportunity for great joy because they're going to find the source of hope. And look at the next verse, and it says this. So let it grow. Let it grow. Don't hold it back anymore. Okay, anyways, that's... Y'all got the stuff that comes through my head when I'm preaching. For, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You know, this is what I feel makes the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, is how you go through trials, right? Because if we complain and moan and groan in the midst of trials, that's exactly what someone who doesn't believe in Jesus does. So I think the difference maker is that we can have great joy in the midst of great trouble. And that's what separates us apart from people that are at your work, that are in your family, that go, man, I know you're going through a hard time right now, but man, there's just something about you that's just contagious. How are you getting through this? And we get to point to the source of our great joy. Because remember, happiness is based off of what's happening Joy is based off of Jesus. And how many know Jesus is always constant? Yeah. Always constant, no matter what's going on in our lives. You might want to write this down. How I'm doing does not depend on how things are going. How I'm doing does not depend on how things are going. Well, how do, how do we know that? Well, because Paul wrote the book of Philippians. He was in jail. He was on literally death row. He was facing capital charges. He was going to die. He pins this letter in Philippians. Now, Paul, who's in prison because he's doing what God told him to do. He's not even doing anything illegal. He was doing what God told him to do. He's in prison. Now, think about this. Paul had every right to complain. Paul had every right to be miserable. Paul had every right to be in a bad mood and be in despair. But this is what Paul knew. Paul knew that what happens to you doesn't have to control you. 
What happens to you does not have to control you. You have the choice. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But this is what he says. Look in Philippians 4.4. Watch this. So in prison, death row. It's not going to go well. Philippians 4.4 says, what's the first word? Rejoice. 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 Now watch this. Rejoice what? We're not rejoicing in the fact that he's in prison. He's rejoicing in the Lord. Now, what's that word again? Always. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, yeah, y'all need to, okay, y'all got to go back. You didn't remember, all right? First Thessalonians 5.16 says, yeah, thank you, thank you, appreciate that. Always be joyful. All right, now go back. So always be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. See these repeating words. And again, I will say rejoice, rejoice. Now, listen to, listen to this. The word joy or rejoice is found 18 times in the book of Philippians. 18. Now watch this. The most joyful book in the Bible was written in the most darkest place there is. Think about that for a minute. The most joyful, joyous book in all of Scripture was written in the most darkest, most painful place there is. So you can't tell me that you can't have joy when you're going through hard times, because Paul did. Paul had a source of his joy that was greater. And here's, here's what Paul knew, that his joy was under his jurisdiction. And your joy is too. Your joy is under your jurisdiction. What that means is, is no one can take it from you, you give it away. No one can take your joy, you give it away. You give it away. No one can. If Paul can walk through this and say, rejoice in the Lord always in the midst of what he's going through, if Jesus could rejoice on the way to the cross, then we can rejoice too because our joy is under our jurisdiction. So if you wake up and you don't have joy in your heart, it's not because your kids are crazy, even though they may be. It might not be because of your husband or because of your job or because of whatever situation. If you don't wake up with joy in your heart, it's because you chose that. You gave it away. The enemy can't take it from you. All right, here's the third thing. Happiness is centered on self. Joy is centered on others. Happiness is centered. Have you ever noticed that people who constantly complain all the time are never joyful? People who are constant, chronic complainers are never filled with joy. Happiness is all about what I want, what I need, what I, what I got. Joy is all about what we can do for others. So I, ha I have a little video for you. Maybe, maybe this might be something you might experience this Christmas. Let me show you, I'll show you something. <clears throat> What is it? What did Santa bring? Oh. I want it. I want a toy. What is it? I want a toy. I want a toy. Look. I want a toy. Open it up, see what it is. Ah, oh, look, it's a princess shirt. I want a toy. I want a toy. I want a toy. It's a lovely princess shirt. seen that happen before. <laughs> Don't raise your hands. And so I want a toy. I want a toy. 
You know, it's funny because if your kids, by the way, if your kids tell you this Christmas, man, you never buy me anything. If you don't, they don't get what they want and they, they throw that out there, I'm going to tell you what, this is your answer to them, okay? This is what you say when they say you never buy me. Can you show them that picture for me? This is what they say. We got that? There we go. Watch. This is what you give them right here. Right here. Right? Just start putting bows everywhere. Put bows on the faucet, bathtub, toilets. You just start putting bows on their clothes. Put a bow on them. You know, that's what you do. But isn't that how it is? Happiness is, is all about self and what I want, and, and I get upset when I don't get what I want. But joy really is the, all about others. It's all about giving to others. This is what John said in John, uh, John 15. We just read this, but I want to show you a different side of this. John 15, when he talks about my joy and your joy will overflow, he says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy, and yes, your joy will overflow. Now watch this. This is how he says your joy can overflow. Ready? Here's how you get joy this Christmas season. The next verse says, this is my commandment to love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Now watch. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. The greatest way you can get joy this season is to give your life away. It's to give your life away. To lay down your life. He, he attaches his joy overflowing in your life with when you give your life away, this is what happens. Have you noticed in your life that the people that are the most miserable are the ones who are most self-centered? Right? The people in your family, think about them. If they're on their road, on your road, don't look at them, okay, right now. So, but if they, they're always miserable because it's always about them. It's always about them. And you notice the people that are most joyful are the ones that it's always about. You know, I know Pastor Bo, myself, and even some of you have been with us on trips overseas. It is amazing when you go to like South Africa and you go, we'll show you our, our one-by-one uh, orphanage that we sponsor in just a little bit. It's amazing when you go into these settings where these people have nothing how joyful they are in the midst of scarcity. And yet you come to America where we have everything and people are miserable. But it's because their everything has them. Yeah, with, so happiness is, is centered on self. Joy is centered on others. The more unselfish you become, the more joyful you'll be. The more unselfish you become, the more joyful you be. Look what Hebrews 12, too, says. Hebrews 12 says, for the joy that was set before him, this is speaking of Jesus, he endured the cross. What was his joy? You. You and I were Jesus' joy. Why would Jesus go through the most gruesome death ever? Because you're, you're his joy. I, I'm his joy. We're his joy. Watch what Paul says. Paul, Paul says it in a different way, but it, very similar in Philippians. He says, I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy. And can I say, as, as a pastor of this church, and I know Pastor Bubba would say the same thing, you are our joy. We so love you. We long to see you grow in your walk with God. That's the reason why Ms. Tracy, my, my wife, our life group leaders, our dream team leaders, that's why they do what they do is because we love you. We want to see what's best. And we get the greatest joy when we get to serve. You know, Christmas Eve's coming up. We'll have four services. Four. 
or services. And it's not, the, it's not the, a big deal for our family because our family will be split. split. I'll be here preaching. Pastor Bubba will be here preaching. Um, and, and our families are split. Like, I don't get to come to church with my family. I don't, it's because you know why? Because we are giving. We're giving this Christmas. So, but we get to go home after it's all said and done and go, it was totally worth it. It's totally worth it. It's totally worth it to see life change. So I want to show you, I just want to real quick share with you stories of life change. We're going to be doing this over the coming weeks and going into January. Um, this is Chris. Chris, you here? Chris is right over here. This is my man, Chris. So a couple weeks ago, I had asked people to share on our Facebook group just what God's done in their life since coming to church. This is what Chris said. Chris says, being a part of OSC has given me a renewed strength to my faith that I'd almost completely lost. It had helped me bring down some walls that I didn't even realize I had put up. It has opened my heart to start trusting people again. It has given me a feeling of belonging and a sense of purpose once again. I love my church family. It ends it with this. Honestly, I don't know where I'd be without my life group and Freedom Brothers. Come on, Freedom Brothers. I had all but given up completely on everyone and life when God led me to OSC. He, all, he, has, as all, he has always knew exactly what I needed and exactly the right time. Come on. Awesome, Chris. It's awesome. Look at the next one. So this is Melissa. Um, this is what she says. She says, I don't know where to begin. OSC saved my marriage, my family, uh, my husband from addiction and changed the shy, insecure, low self-esteem person I used to be. Which, let me just say this. OSC doesn't save anybody. Jesus does. Come on, somebody. But um, she knows that. She's just giving, uh, she's letting us know how the church has done it through Jesus, of course. Looking back seven years ago, who I was and the path I was on to where I am now, it's a true miracle. I know God placed us here in a small town, Jennings, Louisiana. She says, so we could be a part of this amazing church we call family. And I thank God every day for placing us here with this group of amazing people. We love OSC and our church family. You ask, how has our life changed? And my answer is completely, Amen. completely. Come on, that's powerful. Look at the next one. So this is Jake. Jake says, I moved here from a small town in South Texas. I live in Hathaway. Come on, Hathaway in the house. I live in Hathaway where my wife's family's from. It's her home. It's been 12 years since I felt like I'm home. And there has always been an emptiness inside of me that I couldn't feel. Since I've started going to OSC, I feel more at home. That's just powerful in itself. I've become closer to place the Lord. Uh, I've become closer to the place the Lord has put me, and I love this. And I found a drive inside of me that makes me a better man, better husband, and a better father. Come on, you know that's what it's all about right there. That's what it's all about. Last one, Joanna. Uh, all my life, I felt as though I didn't belong, an emptiness inside of me that I filled with drugs and sex. When I was invited to come to OSC, I thought, here we go again. I'm not going to be accepted. Well, was I in for a surprise? From the moment I walked in the door, I felt as though everything I'd carried with me had been washed away. Every service after that, I would cry during worship. I truly believe that God was revealing himself from the beginning. I would look forward to Sunday morning and be up at the crack of dawn just to make sure I wouldn't miss. Within a month, God put it on my heart to be water baptized. I love this part. When I came out of the water, I felt as though my old self stayed dead in the water. Watch this. I've only been going to OSC for a year now. But boy, it's a wonderful, fulfilling year. I've let go of a lot of wrongs I've done. Forgiving myself has been the hardest thing. I'm not where I want to be, but I thank God and my OSC family that I'm not where I used to be. And I'm so excited to see what the next year brings me. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. It's awesome. Listen, some people are only one invite away from this being their story. 
And I could, we could, I, I could have filled the whole service with stories. We had probably about 40 stories on that Facebook post. You can go back and check out our page and, and go read those yourselves. It's, it's very humbling, actually, to read those because you just realize that God loves people and he really wants the full life for people. And so I, I want to encourage you this Christmas to not come alone. So if, whether you're coming to Saturday service or Sunday service, to grab some of these invite cards right here. Um, we got thousands of them out there. Grab a handful of them, pray over them, and then just go start inviting people. I, invite your waitress that's going to be at lunch. Invite your coworker, your boss. Bring a gift to a neighbor and send an invite in it. The greatest joy you're going to have this Christmas, listen to me very closely, will not be coming and hearing a great Christmas message and lighting some candles and singing some Christmas carols. The greatest joy you can have this Christmas is inviting someone that's far from God and having them sit right beside you and then watching them hear the gospel and the good news of what Jesus has done and hear hope and then watch as at the end we give an opportunity for them to respond to Jesus and to watch that hand go in the air that will bring more joy to your life than anything in this world. I guarantee it. And I'll tell you, like I, like I say often, you have permission to look. When I say all heads down and all eyes closed, you can do this. Okay, you can look. Don't let them catch you, but you can look. I'm going to tell you something right now. That's the greatest joy, is to be on mission with what God's doing. It's not to come and to receive. It's to come and give. The people that have the greatest joy in our church are the people who are on our dream team, that serve, that do what they do, because they realize it's not about them. And they come and they make it. And by the way, you can serve this Christmas too if you want to find. we got plenty of opportunities this Christmas Eve with four services. We've got multiple opportunities for you to serve and give, uh, give back. But I encourage you to find a way this Christmas to give to others. You'll see the greatest joy. All right, let's, let's wrap it up. Last one, number four. And that is, happiness happens by chance, joy happens by choice. Happiness happens by chance, joy happens by choice. Watch this, watch this verse in Deuteronomy. It says this, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you. Now watch, here we go. This is what God has set before us. I've set before you life and death. I've set before you blessings and curses. And now choose life. This is what he says. You get to choose you get to choose. You can't force anybody to choose. They have to choose on their own. But if we create an environment where God is drawing people, how many of you know most people will choose life? I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose the blessing side. Kay Warren, who is Rick Warren's wife, if y'all know who Rick Warren is, Rick Warren, pastors of a large church in California, wrote the Purpose Driven Life book, probably second greatest selling book in the world. Uh, his wife, uh, Kay said this about joy. I love this. This is how she describes joy. She says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. And that quiet confidence that ultimately everything's going to be all right. And the determined, watch this, choice to praise God in what? Let me, let me phrase it a different way. Always. Always. I'm going to make the determined choice to praise God in everything. 
I don't know if y'all have noticed kind of a running theme over the past kind of couple of weeks. We talked about being overwhelmed, and we talked about worry, and we talked about sickness. We talked about, um, Pastor Rion last week talked about salvation. And a lot of them were connected to this idea that no matter what's going on, we're going to make the choice to praise God no matter what. If I'm getting healed or if I'm not, I'm going to praise God. If I'm in the midst of worry, I'm going to worship greater than worry. I'm going to make the choice to praise God. Look at the, the verse in Habakkuk says this. He says this, even though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines and the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no fruit and the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stall. So let me just tell you what's, what's happening here because most of y'all don't probably have fig trees, vines, and flocks. Um, but this is what he's talking about. The fig trees and the fruits and the vines and the flocks all represent income and resources and food. So Habakkuk is saying, even though I have no food coming in, even though I have no resources coming in, if we were to modernize it, even though I have no income coming in, even though I have no, no, nothing in reserve, my herd is not there anymore, what I used to lean on is no longer there. This is what he says in the next verse, watch. Yet I will rejoice. Even though all this is going on, even though, and yet, even though my wife doesn't like me right now, yet I will rejoice that God is working in our marriage, even though I don't have a job at the moment, yet I will rejoice that God is my provider, even though my sickness seems like it's taking the best of me, yet I will rejoice that God is a healer. Come on, somebody. Even though, and yet, yet I will rejoice. Now watch this. I'm not rejoicing in my circumstances. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Because remember, he's our source. And I will take joy. I love that. I'll take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. So here's what John 10.10 10 says, and we'll wrap it up. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes. So Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come so that you can have what? Life. And that you can have it to the full. Remember, Deuteronomy says that God's come and he's given you options, life and death, blessings and curses. You need to choose life. Now listen to me very closely because this is something you need to understand. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. You're going to walk through pain in life. I, think, I, don't, I don't have to describe that because all of you understand that and feel that probably even at this moment. You're going to walk through pain, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, financial. You're going to walk through pain, but misery is optional. You get to choose if you're going to be miserable or joyful. My prayer is that you would not be full of yourself, but you would be full of Jesus, which is joy, because Satan wants to steal your joy. And here's what I know. Satan cannot steal your salvation, but he can steal the joy of your salvation, so that is why you have people that go to church, but it looks like they don't love Jesus. You're like, man, hasn't God done some great? Yeah, it's all right. The enemy has stolen the joy of it. He didn't steal their salvation. He just stole the, the joy of their salvation. So they come and it's like, oh, again, what time does the buffet end? I mean, uh, seriously. Because the enemy has stolen the joy of where they once were. And can I tell you why the enemy wants to steal your joy? Here's, here's the grand finale. Nehemiah says it this way. 
Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if the enemy can steal your joy, he can steal your strength. And I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's on their deathbed where they have no physical strength. And I've, I've been there a couple of times with some people in the kind of final moments. And here's what they normally say. They say, I just want to go home. I'm just done. I'm just done. Do you know what people who have lost spiritual strength say? I'm just done. I'm just done. I don't want to go anymore. The reason that the enemy, he knows he can't get your salvation, but he knows if he can steal your joy, then he can also steal your strength. And if he can steal your strength, he's got you. He's got you. So my prayer today is that you get your strength back. And you get your strength back when you get your joy back. And you get your joy back when you get reconnected to Jesus. And when you stay connected to Jesus, you stay connected to the source of joy. When you stay connected to the source of joy, you stay connected to your source of strength. And when you stay connected to your source of strength, you are unstoppable. Come on, somebody. You're unstoppable. So that's why you can go through pain. That's why you can be like Paul and go through stuff and still understand that God is with you. Come on, we can, go, we can have great joy in great trouble because we serve a great God. If there's anything you hear, I want you to hear me. I pray today that you have your joy back. 